What's up, Gravel family? I'm Sophia. And I'm Jason. And this is the Gravel Family Podcast. The Gravel Family Podcast is an encouraging space to motivate more people to get on their bikes and enjoy gravel. We're going to share a variety of stories from hometown pirates to the top tier pros. We're also going to share training tips and insights on gravel worlds and other events, as well as answer your questions that arise through your training season. We are so excited you're here. Welcome to the Gravel Family. What's up, Gravel Family? I'm Jason. And I'm Sophia. And this is the last episode of Women's History Month. This has been a really good month. It's I feel like it would be really hard to walk away from this month and not be expi- inspired. Yeah, it was great conversations. Uh, yeah, I hope I hope you all just enjoyed the conversations in general. But also, by far, the most listened to month that we've had. And I'm sure oh, with, 100%. I'm sure yeah. this episode, like Allison Tectric, she's right behind our most listened podcast. And then Kristen and... Uh, Betsy. Betsy are like right up there near the top. And then I'm sure Christy's podcast here is going to do really good. So thank you for supporting us trying to do something a little different. It's really cool. Yeah, it was a really cool idea. We didn't really know what to expect from it, but I feel like it was a really good month. Yeah. So thank you for listening to that. And we got back from Mid-South like a week and a half ago. Feels like a long time ago. It does. It's like I'm already ready for Mid-South next year. But <laughs> uh, so I think everyone's ready for Mid-South all year long. I, I literally, they just dropped the uh, like a 11 minute highlight video oh, this yeah. morning. And I was like on, I literally was on the trainer when it dropped. And I got, it came up when I refreshed my YouTube. And I was just like ear to ear grin for the whole 11 minutes. It was awesome. There's so. definitely something special special about that place down there yep yep super cool so uh what was your favorite part of mid-south mm, that's hard because you didn't you didn't end up riding you did group rides yeah. but you didn't ride so i ended up i was going to ride first the 50 i don't have enough miles under my legs i just didn't want to spend all day out there and not be able to like enjoy the finish line because the finish line at mid-south is what makes it really really special so i decided instead um our hometown pro john borselman he asked annie which is jason's wife to do bottle hand up at the halfway mark which was the only place that um the riders were allowed to have support so i decided to go with annie and we were halfway at the it was the 50 mile mark and it was so fun how was it we we haven't even talked about it like what did you were you just like partying until john got there and then hung out for a while when he got back i we literally haven't even talked about it was the coolest thing because it was a small little town um i think is it perry perry Yeah. yeah perry and so it was just a cute little historic place. There were little diners and a retro gas station. So we just waited on the side of the street. And then, ev- like, chaos ensued because they're like, the riders are coming, the riders are coming. And all the Jeeps are behind them with all their video crews. It was hectic. And actually, John came through, like, pretty much first because he was leading the race pretty much the entire time. Yeah. And so he came through, and we gave him water bottles. And I, like, came running up with um, with some air, some tools in case he needed anything, and he was good to go and just took off like a rocket. So. That's awesome. That's really cool. So, um, and then 
then you made it back for yeah. the finish line. Well, actually, yeah. we had to go out to Mount Butter with Chamois Butter yep. to relieve some volunteers. So we ended up uh, going out there for a little bit. Yeah. The uh, coolest thing from being out there, I feel like, was there were these two volunteers that were there from like, what, 8 a.m. to yeah, like we got there around 6. Yeah, and they were there, I think we left at like 7 maybe. Yeah. For, we waited for DFL to get there. But yeah, yeah. They, those two volunteers were cooking bacon yeah. since 8 a.m. and like 10-hour days. And then it ended up getting like, it got up to like 80 degrees that Mm -hmm. day. So like it started out super cold, got really hot and then got cold again. So yeah, yeah, super, the volunteers, I'll always, always forever volunteers. Freaking awesome. What was your highlight of the Mid-South? Oh, there was a lot. The podcast was really fun. So um, Gooder helped us go down there, um, helped pay for us to to set up and all that stuff. So thank you so much to Gooder. But but, I mean, we had some great conversations. So those are going to start next week. Uh, And we ended up having like a bonus episode because Bobby Bobby was originally going to stop by for like five (laughs) minutes. Hilarious. And it was pure chaos. And then it was (laughs) then he ended up talking. We talked for like forty minutes, and we're like, Bobby, you got to go. Like, go get out of (laughs) here. So and. Let's just say this. So Bobby was on our podcast. He was actually one of the first guests we ever had. We had him interviewed down in Emporia Unbound. And so technically, Corey Godfrey has been on twice. But Corey was on first for a solo episode and then one with Craig. Um, So technically, Corey is the first person to ever have Bobby. No, Corey's the first person oh, Corey, ever yeah, be yeah. on the podcast twice, but Bobby's the first to have two of his own episodes. Oh, that's on the true. Podcast that's twice. true. And that maybe so. that was his secret motivation for staying. Mm-hmm. He wanted the the first to get to two. Yep, yep. <laughs> he but was it. That was awesome. So yeah, we have some really cool, um, uh, really really great conversations with that. Um, yeah. So uh, that was great. And then I rode the fifty mile ride, uh, which was actually almost sixty miles. Uh, and my, my number one goal was to finish, uh, my higher level goals was to try to finish before the pros finished the hundred. So I could be there at the finish and I accomplished all my goals for some reason. Every time I race mid South, it's like my best performance race. I like ever, you're I just, you're racing for the Bobby hug. Yeah. And so I've, I raced in 2017, um, and have kind of like gone down and just volunteered since then. But Bobby yeah. was like, you're riding this year. You can't volunteer. You got to go ride. So Bobby forced me to ride, which was great. Uh, and then I, I accomplished all my goals. I was, for me, was a great, great finish. And um, I, I kind of started back farther than I wanted to, but that ended up kind of being a blessing because I didn't blow myself up in the first hour. Uh, but I finished under four hours for the basically 60-mile ride, so it was, nice. it was really good. I had And I only had, like, three minutes and 20 seconds of stop time the whole, the whole four hours. You were hours. definitely motivated. I was, like, motivated to finish. And then, like, the last hour, you and my wife were, like, texting me because yeah. I was like, where are the pros at? I got to be make sure Trying I Trying to the give pros. me updates. And, like, they, you were like, Borstelman's in the front. You got to get back. Maybe Borstelman's going to win. And it, it was, like, <laughs> ended up being a sprint finish, and I finished, like, 20 minutes before. That finish uh, was insane. Yeah, was if you guys th- haven't seen it's on the mid-south instagram and that sprint finish was wild that and then dfl yes oh dfl marley blonsky like oh i just got goosebumps again thinking about it so good i mean that was the best dfl part like i've never seen anything like it it, like from like 9 30 until dfl which was maybe close to 11 probably like it was just a party at the finish line like there was probably a hundred people just dancing and partying at the finish line yeah. so yeah and there yeah the disco ball disco uh, ball disco ball hung from the uh finish line arch spoiler that was alert 
that disco ball is coming to Gravel Worlds. Oh, heck yeah. Bobby and their crew. Oh, so this is a spoiler. Yeah. So the, the Mid-South crew is going to run the first checkpoint on the 150 this year. Heck and so they're going to do uh, pancakes, and we're going to have gravel cross. So si- we're going to uh-huh. have a cyclocross course on at the checkpoint, and you're going to ride through a barn to get your probably a Bobby hug. With a di- they're going to put a disco ball like in the barn. It's going to be... They better bring that back to the finish line after their <laughs> checkpoint's done so we can I have that for our DFL. I don't think we could hang it on our, our blow-up arch, oh, though. They've true. got like that Dan. big steel awesome arch that they have. That's true. But yeah, and the DFL. So Marley Blonsky, she got a skull, like a big old longhorn skull for the trophy, yep. which is epic and so Oklahoma. Yeah, that really cool. So overall, great, great experience. So... All right, uh, this is getting to be a very long intro. So uh, just a couple things before we jump into the the podcast with Christy here. This is kind of a last call for the, our gravel camp. Yeah. So only $200. We Most of our coaches, er, all of our coaches and our, our team are volunteering our time. So we, our goal was to keep the cost down for this as low as we could. So it's only $200. Yep. And um, th- the, the goal is for beginner and intermediate riders to go to their next level. So we got professional cycling coach uh, Frank Pike with Beyond Category Coaching, two amazing garment athletes, uh, Hannah Shell and Jake McGee. Those mm-hmm. are both pro athletes, as well as myself and Corey Godfrey. We're all going to be um, coaching for that uh, that week as well. So we're going to have group rides and yeah. several classes. So get signed up. You can go to gravelcamp.bike. To get signed up for that or gravel-worlds.com on our main website. Gra- the Gravel Camp is April 28th through the 30th. So get signed up here really quick because it's it's about four or five weeks out. Yep. So get signed up. There will be a little bit of everything. There will be classes. There will be rides. There will be dinner. It will be a great time. Yeah, it's going to be great, great time. So And, then and the shirts are sick. The shirts are really cool. Our, our Ben with uh, Screen Inc. crushed the shirt. It's really cool. Uh, and then sign up for Gravel Worlds, August 25th and 26th, whether you're running, biking, or both, <laughs> get signed up, gravel-worlds.com. Get signed up. We need you there. It's wild to think that Gravel Worlds is just a few months out. We're, like, less this than, is, we're like four months and 28 days right yeah. now. This is the point where like training gets serious. Like yeah. People are getting on their bikes. They're they're motivated to hit yeah. that finish line. And if you're, if you're like thinking – you can't do it like I you you can do it like yeah. you can go couch to 150 if you want to do the full one or 100%. for sure the 75 miler or 50k or, or if you're running like if you want to come and just hang out we're, we have a 10k this year Friday night we're doing a 10k we're gonna have live music when you get back from the 10k walk yeah. or run so yeah. when I did the gravel world 75 in 2019 um, I started training I think I got my bike in June and started riding the end of June. And by that point, so from end of June to August, I did the 75. Yeah. So it's totally doable. If you if you don't think you can, you definitely can. Yep. That's right. So get signed up, gravel-worlds.com. Woo. We can't wait to tell the best gravel family reunion ever. Yeah. <laughs> and now we're about to jump into this episode with Christy Moan. Um, if you don't know Christy, she is the woman behind Unbound. Um, and she's also in the Cycling Hall of Fame. And she's a huge inspiration to all females in the sport and also just any athletes in the sport or anyone who's involved in this. And so huge for inclusion and oh, growing sh- inclusion in she's gravel. She's an incredible person. So this is going to be a good one. Let's jump into it. All right, what's up, Gravel family? It's Jason here. And I'm Sophia. Yeah, and we got 
our last episode of Women's History Month, so had to come up with a Hall of Famer to round this out. Had to go out with a bang. (laughs) Yeah, had to go out with a bang. So um, without further ado, we have uh, one of the promoters of Unbound, one of the OG promoters of Unbound, too. Uh, She is a first-round inductee of the Gravel Cycling Hall of Fame. Uh, co-host of the Girls Gone Gravel podcast. She's an athlete and proud mother of twins, but I think her most accomplished thing she's ever done oh, no. is winning tandem <laughs> at Gravel Worlds. That's gotta be that's gotta be it. So welcome to the podcast, Christy Moan. Hey guys. Thanks for having me. You guys do this early. <laughs> yeah, you you were telling us a little bit off camera. You've had a night, so thanks for yeah. thanks for being here with us. Of course. I'm so excited to be here. How you were up all night ta- being a good wife, taking. I taking was care being of, a uh, good wife to my to my amazing husband uh, Tim. He he had some spine surgery um, last week and fixing some real pain that he's been in for a long time. So we're super excited about coming out on the other side of it. But last night was our first night at home, so it was pain meds every two hours, and yeah, it was a good one. <laughs> yeah, but worth I, it. You, you said like you like woke up this morning after being up every two hours and got the notification like oh, I gotta record a thanks, podcast. Thanks this to my Garmin watch, right? Like that's right. <laughs> Get the Garmin, the Garmin love it there. Oh, the, the, the Garmin, new, lo- the Garmin, the new like morning, morning update. Routine. Oh, that oh, the morning yes. update. That's like the best update. If you have a Garmin watch, you know what we're talking about. But it's basically like tells you like you wake up and it gives you the weather and any meetings you have. It's, yeah, they're pretty awesome. So. It's your little cool. morning Let assistant. me know my sleep score was really low. And, <laughs> <laughs> and this was the first time that my Garmin watch actually jolted me out of bed when I saw that the, I had the, the Gravel <laughs> Family podcast. I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> so barely needed the coffee this morning. <laughs> so, we all got, how are we you all, guys? All got, we're good. Yeah. We're good. We're getting ready to head down to Stillwater next week. So kind of getting ready to pack up i think this is gonna be the first year that i've missed since the very first one so really wow. yeah wow that's crazy well yeah, this I, is year we're 11 see how the patient's doing over there i know so you're 11 for the mid-south i think last year was year 10 so yeah it's crazy yeah. Mm-hmm. the weather was looking you know pretty iffy it was looking i think like around 36 for race day now it's back up to around 50 so we're yeah, gonna but, yeah cross why, our why are you checking the weather Oh, uh, because I, I one is a Midwest gravel promoter. You don't look at the weather yeah. until like 24 hours before. Cross your fingers, you <laughs> the, know. The thing I'm worried about is what's now showing up for Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and maybe Friday, which mm-hmm. is rain. So let's rain. that's 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 yeah. mid south. That's mud south for you. So we'll see. Yeah. But I think mid south keeps knows? bike shops in business through the spring. <laughs> they, I, I I saw somebody that had a T-shirt one year, and it was like. They like a homemade T-shirt, and it was like Sunday after Mid South. I think it was Land Road at the time, but Sunday after Mid South, uh, New Parts Day or something like that. So yeah, it's like, yeah, it's like <laughs> Happy New Parts Day. <laughs> Happy New Parts Day on Sunday. So it is Daylight Savings Time. They should just like rebrand it. Daylight Savings. You there need you an go. extra hour of sleep thinking about all the parts you're gonna have to buy again. No kidding. <laughs> Well, you know Nightmares. a thing or two about race promotion. You have been involved with Unbound for quite a while now. Tell us about your involvement with Unbound down in Kansas. Um, well, I mean, Tim was one of the initial athletes to line up at the start line in 2006. He was one of those 34 riders. And um, really, it just kind of drew me in from there. Um, he'd been doing some mountain bike racing, which um, he loved, but as a family 
um, sport. It wasn't the most friendly to take the kids there to the, you know, to hang out while he was doing laps and stuff at, at trails and, and going to the very first, um, you know, obviously DK at the time, very first unbound, um, just getting to see the opportunity that, that laid there for the community aspect of it was really kind of what drew me to it, not just from the cycling side of it, but also just from the mom and the, and the, and the kids and all that kind of thing. I think I just really saw an opportunity and that's, that's really what drew me to it was just like, this could be something really fun for the whole family, not just for one person in the family. And, and then it, I mean, grew from there because you could see that that brought community together. And then once you started bringing community together, it got more fun and, and it just became more and more inclusive as we kind of took steps towards moving it downtown. And that's, yeah, that's kind of it. It was really just, um, the community piece of it. And then really as an economic driver, for my hometown of Emporia, Kansas. Um, I had been put in charge of a, of a group <clears throat> through our CVB and chamber to bring more events to Emporia. And um, there were already some really great events happening in Emporia. And, and my perspective on it was maybe the first thing we should do is look at the events that are happening and see if those people that are putting them on want some help making them bigger and better. And so there was that the, f the first one that came to mind was um, Unbound. And then we also had a th another one called Beef Fest and really kind of worked with both of those promoters to, to help grow that. And so that was Jim and Joel at the time and just and then just stepped in and really had the concept from the community perspective of how we could make it grow. I mean, everybody thought that the idea of bringing people to Emporia to ride 200 miles of gravel was crazy, including, including Jim and Joel. <laughs> so, <laughs> It was like nobody's gonna do that and I'm like yeah I think I think there's something here and obviously there there was and what year was that when you really started getting involved um, I went to them after 2008 like shortly after the 2008 event and gotcha. asked if I could get involved and then so I was pretty heavily involved in the 2009 event we moved it this is kind of funny we moved it from one side of the parking lot to the other side <laughs> um, it was over by Bruffs Mike Marchand won that year it was hot as balls. It was so ridiculously hot. Like Mike didn't finish until nine or nine thirty at night. Like that's the that winner, was our first the finish. The winner was at nine thirty. Yeah, it was super late. His time was. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't want to say slow because it was very very difficult. Whoa. You know, people talk about the heat at at Unbound, but the, we haven't seen. We saw heat like that in two thousand nine and two thousand ten, the year Corey won um, yeah. in two thousand ten. We had to peel him off the bike. Like he literally couldn't unclip. Like yeah, I was standing on one side of him, helping him get off. I mean, I'm five foot four, and Corey's what, <laughs> like eight foot nine or something like that. He's like right about that, yeah. And then he's on a bike, so he's an extra extra foot. Taller. Yeah, yeah, and he's his legs are just completely locked up. So yeah, I, I, he, I love him telling him that off. story because he like he's like yelling at the finish line, like I can't unclip. Help me, help me. And like but, uh, yeah, we're like trying what are to you go saying? slowly. And <laughs> <laughs> we're like, I was like, he's stuck. <laughs> but yeah, it's, that was, yeah, that was 2010 I, was when we moved it downtown, but that was kind of the idea the whole time. I just like realized, like, I don't know why, like I knew it, but put it together, like both of like our promoters have won each other's events at, in some capacity. So you won the tandem in 2000. Oh, yeah. What year, uh, what year did you win? 2017? 16, 17, 17, somewhere in there. Yeah. I don't know. So, and then we came back, that picture you sent was us 
trying to defend against Peter Varys, which was a blast. That, that was that, that was, was a, that was a little bit of gravel history drama because there was a oh, train it was involved, so fun. and you guys were all trying like no no right? no that wasn't Isn't the, that year the train of the train. Mm-mm. Okay, what was Mm-mm. what was that story of when you guys the were trying train to catch year, down Peter um, No, we caught Peter Varys the year before. We didn't catch them the year before. The picture that you sent that Tim and I both actually finished. The next year we went back, and we were crushing, absolutely crushing it. Um, I think we were averaging almost 19 and a half, 20 miles an hour. I mean, we were flying. We were up there with the leaders and um, hit that train. And um, we were there for like 15, 20 minutes. I don't know how long we were there. We were there for a long time. And I finally, like there was a hotline you could call because people were obviously doing what you're not supposed to do and jumping across the train and getting to the other side and going. Right. And Tim and I were sitting there like, we're race promoters. We're absolutely not doing that. Like there's so many dangers in that. And plus it's against the rules and like all these things. And so it was a double was a, train track too. So like, yeah, you don't know what's coming the other side yeah. of the train. Like there could be another train yeah. going 40 mile an hour. Oh, it takes you out. Yeah. Yeah. So there was a number we could call and I called and um, Corey answered and he's like, Hey Christy. I'm like, Corey, what? Oh, uh, okay. I didn't know I was calling your cell phone, but he was like, just go. <laughs> Just go down. He told us what to do, and some other people um, kind of came with us. And it was it was actually longer, but we both felt bad. And so we decided that once we got to the other side, that we would go back and touch back where the train was. So we, I mean, we added like oh, wow. a boatload of miles. You did. We went right, all the way like back. The right thing to do. That, oh wow. And well, I mean, yeah, I. Yeah. So we turned, we flipped it and went all the way back, touched to the point. And as we touched that point, as we were getting there, the other tandem came by us, like going towards the finish. And Tim has a real problem with the heat. He just doesn't, he doesn't do well. And um, he was starting to overcook. And we literally pulled the plug at three miles from the finish that year. We didn't finish. We had to have Jeff Young come and pick us up. Yeah. And um, I tried riding the tandem in. Tim got in, in some random lady's car to go back to the finish line. <laughs> I love those and stories. That poor, I mean, the gravel. poor lady's just like, what the fuck is this? What are these people doing? You know, and <laughs> I get back. Um, that somebody had to get our truck because we had the tandem, the way to carry the tandem. So Jeff Young got our truck and came out and met me. And I tried riding the tandem by myself, but, you know, there's a big height discrepancy between Tim and myself and I... I was hitting my crotch on the top tube every time I pedal stroke down. It's like, this isn't going to work. Um, Vinny went by me, you know, it was like, it was, the wheels just came off the bus. Like I was doing the heavy lifting, um, from the last like little aid station. Cause I was like, no, we got to get to the finish line, honey. I mean, there was just so many logistics in us calling for help. And we, you know, he was like, we'd get to a hill and he would just soft pedal and I would just like work to get us up it. Yeah, Yeah, it was, it was tough. And then the heat, I'm lucky in the fact that the heat doesn't really bother me, but it, it really gets to Tim. So he laid down in the middle of the gravel on that road coming back in. And I was like, shit, there it goes. (laughs) But that picture you sent was the year we caught Peter Varys at the last checkpoint and they were standing there like. I was, Tim knew where they were. He hadn't told me and we were just working our butts off to try to catch them. And we pulled into the last aid station 
and um, I walked in as Jay and Tracy were there, and I was like, "What are you guys doing here?" And they they like dropped their sandwiches and like took them. <laughs> Wait, so have you won? Funny. Have you won twice? Tandem twice? No, we've only won it once. Oh, okay, I thought it was only once. We, yeah. So did you yeah, not? We, did you not? We win? did not catch. No, they they hit a mud section. We hit a med section shortly after that checkpoint, and Tim is notorious for ripping off derailers. So we, that's where we lost him. Like we, I'm like, we're not going to rip off this derailleur on the tandem, but he was not going to take any chances because we were so close. We were five miles from the finish. So <clears throat> we walked that section, and Peter Varys rode it, and that was the difference. So but think, it, yeah, was, it was a super fun. That's awesome. Uh, I, I was just, because we, like, and you know this too, like as promoters, we don't get to hear the on-course stories as much. Yeah. You know? And that's like mm-hmm. why I love people when they post like their race recaps and videos and video highlights is because like we don't, we're so busy. We don't get to yeah. go out on course basically sure. at all, if anything. So it's like, I love, I just love <coughs> hearing those stories of, of the event. Cause like we work all year to make this memory for them and then we don't really get to see it. So yeah. As a race promoter, have there been any stories mm. from people that have crossed the finish line that stand out to you? Ooh, great question. Um, I, so many, honestly. I, I mean, like that's what keeps you coming back is those stories and the people like that, like there's no money in this. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's not like, I, I know people want to think that there is, but, um, it's, you're not doing it for that. You're doing it for the, the, um, <clears throat> the satisfaction of providing experiences to athletes. And yeah, I mean, I can think back to like, there's so many finish line finishes that, um, I couldn't wait for. And you know, that's like, those are the best parts. So I love, I love like getting to cry with the finishers for Cause like yes. of whatever, whatever you know ahead of time i know like each rider Mm -hmm. has stories going into it every single rider does but there's some that we're aware of as promoters like we're more involved in um so like just seeing them accomplish whatever that goal was like or things that they thought they couldn't finish like goals they really went out and they were like you know maybe i won't finish but i just want to go out and have a great time and then they absolutely crush it yeah that's that you're right that like that's that's why we do this and i i we were talking about the winter endurance uh on a podcast earlier and i was telling how one guy finished and you know he was kind of tearing up and he was he was just like i learned something about myself today mm-hmm. you know and there was a couple people that said some, something similar to that so it was just like that that's why we do it you know like if you if you change somebody's perspective about themselves because of putting on a silly bike event, like that's pretty rad. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the other thing I wanted to say is you mentioned I I didn't realize the Im- involvement from day one of Emporia. I knew Emporia, the city, was behind the event, but like essentially from the very beginning, you guys had that city support. And I've had mm-hmm. other promoters like ask. You know, like, how did Emporia do it? And it's like one of the things I've said is like this, the entire town believes in that event. Like every single person. Well, well not every person, but there's going to be some sticklers. But like the city really embraced Unbound or DK at the time and just exploded that event. Like it wouldn't have happened without. Yeah. And there's so many, like, the businesses that line the main roads going into Emporia. Like, they all have billboards that say, good luck, riders, or welcome to Emporia. We're happy to have you here. Yeah. Well, I think that, I mean, that is, 
when I look back at the beginning of it, and this is this is you know some of the some of the behind the scenes stuff is that I I've mentioned I'm from Emporia. Like my kids were fourth generation to graduate from Emporia High School. My family has a huge connection to that community, and I'm very lucky in the fact that not only are my parents incredibly involved in Emporia. But my grandparents, both sets, my mom's parents and my dad's parents were both very involved and respected in the community. And when I went to those community leaders and played this card of nobody thought it was going to work. They literally just were like, okay, Christy's asking and she volunteers all of this time. Her family's been all done all of this stuff for this community. Let's humor her and give this a shot. <laughs> And when we moved it downtown, we had, if you go back and you look, we had a pasta feed at the church across the street. And the reason we had the pasta feed that the farmer's market did across the street was because there were no restaurants down there, you guys. Commercial really? Street did not look like that when we moved it down there in 2010. Wow. Um, the Granada Theater had just opened up, re <clears throat> reopened. Like that was work on part of my dad and myself. The Arts Council was the year following. Um, the downtown in Emporia, Kansas, when we moved it down there in 2010, did not look like that. There was no Mulready's, there was no Radius, there was no Casa Ramos in that block. There was no, you know, um, Amanda's Cafe and Bakery. None of that, Jimmy John, none of that was down there. Um, we had so much vacancy on that commercial street. And that's when I talked about the economic driver part of it that's where it came from was the fact that like, um, you know, we got to figure out how we're going to save our downtown. And so I appreciate so you guys cool. saying that, but that's not what it looked like. Um, in 2010. That is so cool. That like that, like almost gives me goosebumps, like thinking of the impact of gravel. And like, mm -hmm. that's one thing I love about the gravel cycling hall of fame is it's, it's preserving those stories of like, we think of, gravel or we think of unbound as 4,000 people or 5,000 people, mm -hmm. whatever. But <coughs> like the first several years were like, well, first year was 34. Then it was like a hundred. And then, you know, it's, it's yeah. been a slow burn and you guys mm -hmm. have worked really hard and the, the team sacrificed a lot over the years. And it's like, yeah, there was a long time where that wasn't your full-time job. Like, and you took no. pay cuts to do, <laughs> to do what you guys did. Yeah. And yeah. And, that that's the thing that excites me about preserving stuff in the gravel cycling hall of fame is the sacrifices that those that came before us made. So very cool. I love hearing that. That's really awesome. That literally the entire economy of a town was changed because of an event. That's wild. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And obviously, yep. you know, Emporia is such a cool, I mean, to us, it seems like more of a smaller town, mm -hmm. but it is. The people there are so cool. And it's the roads also. Those ro roads that you guys have around Emporia, the Flint Hills, they're incredible. Can you kind of describe them for anyone who hasn't been out to Emporia before? Um, they're remote and they're incredibly scenic. Um, and it's not what you expect. Um, I People ask me like where my favorite place to ride is, and it is the Flint Hills. Like I've gotten to ride all over the world luckily i mean and i'm not saying i mean there's been beautiful places that i've gotten to ride my bike but there's something very unexpected and remote about the flint hills and i'm sure it's also just the connection 
to that land that I feel when I'm out there. But, you know, climbing up the Towers Climb every spring after the burn, it's, there's nothing like it. It's, for me anyway, it's, it's rolling seas of fields of pasture and grass green land. And, and, you know, in the winter right now it's brown and we're getting ready for the burn season, which is my favorite time to ride is when you have burn on one side, gravel road, bright green where the burn happened the week before on the other side. There's, it's just, it's, and it's just, it's remote. And I'm hoping, you know, I would never want to see any of those roads get paved. Like, like, I love the fact that to get out there, you have to be willing to go out there. Like, it's not something you just, you know, you're not going to, it's not like going to the ocean. You know, people don't expect to see what they see when they, when they, you know, stop on I-70 at the cattle pins or uh, 335 on, on the cattle pins to look at that. Yeah. This sounds weird, but the closest thing that I can describe it to would be looking at like the African savannas. Like it Mm -hmm. sounds weird, but it's so wide open and these rolling hills, you can see forever at the top of some of those hills. And that's the closest comparison that I have to it. It's gorgeous. Yeah. I, I've like I've I've said like the Flint Hills could be a national park if it wasn't filled of, filled with farm ground like it, it well definitely it is a could national be. park like I mean it. the Tallgrass Preserve is that that's the only national park in the Midwest like that's you know have you been have you been to the Tallgrass National Preserve like a a national preserve but like I mean like a full on like Rocky Mountain National Park status oh. like the net like the yeah. top top yeah. tier where you can't have farming and anything around it like. <sighs> But yeah, I've yeah. we have I have ridden out there. It's it's beautiful. It's it's awesome out there. That's um, pretty. The other thing that is chaos every year is because of the type of rock you have too. That flint rock is mm-hmm. literally the rock that Native Americans made arrowheads out of. So it's incredibly mm-hmm. sharp, and it just wreaks it's havoc. Sharp. It it wreaks havoc <laughs> on on. Um, on tires and stuff we we did the long voyage this year we made it um we made the 300 go clear down to kansas like south of marysville so we were like at the very north end of the flint hills and like Mm -hmm. when we were pre-riding the course we were like oh we're gonna have to warn people like there's flint rock down here because like they might make different tire choices because we're going down to stinking flint rock where (laughs) where they're gonna get, get their tires destroyed so um yeah, it's it's night and day difference. And and that yeah. again, that's what's really cool about gravel is like every race is different, not only like the rules that we talk about, but like every aspect of it. The gravel's yeah. different, the dirt's different. And yeah, it's one another reason to love gravel, but for yeah. sure. And also like the course just from the small amount I've seen, <coughs> you know, here in Nebraska, you have mostly gravel roads, but down in Emporia when I went down in this past year actually, I went to the cattle pens and you know, you're just riding through farmland and there's cows on either side of you, just like walking alongside as you're riding your bike. So it's not just gravel roads. Like you're riding through some incredibly scenic areas. Yeah. That open range sections are always (coughs) really cool. Have you gotten to do the race? Like I know sometimes Mm -hmm. a promoter will, will take the day off kind of quote unquote, even though you're working just as hard. Yeah. Um, so have you gotten I've, I've to, done it twice. to ride the 200? Oh, you've done it twice. I did, um, in 2011, um, before it was the 2010 was the year we moved it downtown. And in 2011, um, we, I went ahead and rode it. Um, we kind of knew that that was going to be the last year before it got, um, just ridiculously big. Um, 
and uh, I didn't finish. I blew, I, well, just what you're talking about. I sliced through my tire on the very last low maintenance crossing. And this was back in 2011 before we had all of the tire technology that we have now. Um, and I nursed that thing till about 13 miles from the finish line. And then finally it was just like, yeah, this isn't, this is it. I'm had to call it. But um, that year for me, I was really proving to myself that I could ride 200 miles. And then in 2018, I was the only one, 2017 after the 17 event, um, I was the only promoter that hadn't finished. And so the guys came to me and asked if I wanted a shot at it. Um, and I, you know, I, of course I said yes and um, finished top 10 um, women. Look at like you. had the fastest, yeah, had the fastest time from, from the Emporia crew that rode. Um, men or women so I had a really I mean I took my training that year ridiculously seriously what year was that like, 2018 2018 mm -hmm. that was the year yep. I did 2017 I was I have the poster still hanging in my wall so I had to look nice. which year I did it but yeah uh, 20... I passed uh I passed Jens Voigt <laughs> whoa. whoa how fun is that shut right? up legs like, let's like, go let's, <laughs> I know coming into Madison I passed him and I was like I can't believe I'm up here this is crazy so my word but yeah, that's it was really so fun. funny yeah, it was um, fun. so obviously unbound we've talked about it <clears throat> growing in size what's some things that you miss from the event being smaller and what's something that you're really thankful for that it's really um, large that you've seen good out of I mean it's hard for me to say there's anything that I miss about it being smaller, um, just because the impact for the community. The, I mean, obviously there's that intimate side of it, right? Like, yep. like getting to see all the people I want to see that weekend. It's impossible, you know. I just, I, I that just doesn't happen. Um, and there's probably just a little bit more exhaustion that comes. Um, for me emotionally, I'm not necessarily a huge extrovert, and so there's a lot that weekend. That you're not um, an extrovert. You're an introvert? Not really. More so. Wow. Yeah. You pretend very good. Well, I don't. I mean, very I think well. that that's where I re, I come back and, like, don't talk to people for a while. And go you need quiet. your time to, like, reset yeah. and recharge. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Interesting. That's wow. Um, it's, there's a few times a year where I, I'm pretty extroverted, and that's one of the weekends that, that I am. Um, I'm more extroverted, extroverted than my husband. But... <laughs> <laughs> but um, he's the one that helps me recharge for sure. Um, so I, that, that part of it is a lot. But um, I think, you know, when people, like the spirit of gravel, whatever. Um, when there was a huge eye that, roll. Like, you can't see it on the podcast, but there was a I, giant eye yeah, roll Yeah, I'm like, it's like whatever. Um, to me, that is what the spirit of gravel is. It's like if you don't want to do Unbound, if it's too big, if it's too much, guess what? There are so many other events out there. Like when I, when we started this to get to ride in 2011 was a huge deal because there were not a bunch of other events to go do like, yeah. you know, so it was really fun to get to ride like the premier event when it was my event. And, and yeah. Yeah. you know, it's now it's like you can point to any weekend on the calendar and there's a gravel event to go do um or five so, or 10 or 15 uh, yeah. yeah and so it's just to me it's like the the exercise becomes in my mind find your place like 
there's literally a space for you on the gravel landscape if you want to ride your bike. And whether it's coming to the big show with the big expo and all of that, um, or whether it's doing something smaller. I love the, that fact. I think that's great. I think it's a very healthy ecosystem and a very healthy landscape that we've created. And, um, you know, if you want to come to Unbound just to see people and check out the expo and, and do the group rides and not get on that start line, that's great. Like, I, you know, so to me, it's just, it's, it's up to us if we want to ruin the spirit of gravel. Um, because we are, I mean, we're the ones that control it. Like the entire population that's out there doing it, right? Like just pick your event, pick your poison and have fun. Like, it's great. You get to explore. I think that's the other really cool thing about this is that gravel events, gravel promoters by and large are super passionate and they've seen something on their training rides or whatever that they feel is worth showing off. And it's like, it's like a tour book to back road countries of America. Like I'm going to go do this event because this promoter thinks these roads are cool and I'm going to go check them out. And it's great. It's like, you don't even have to go plan it. It's all there for you. It's like yeah. your own personal even tour the, guide. Even in the Flint Hills, there's other races throughout the year that you mm -hmm. can go to. If Isn't you there, know, you don't like the yeah. mass start, huge I mean, there's 3000 like, person race. Yeah. There's like six events in or around Emporia like yep. throughout the year, if not more than it's that. Great. Like yeah. It's great. Yeah. It's awesome. Uh, yeah, and that, and the other thing too is like, even Unbound or Gravel Worlds or all like we we put all of our last like previous year routes on our website. Like, mm -hmm. go ride them other times. And like when we when we design our routes, like we put gas stations on course so that you can go ride them at any time. Like, please come and do it. You know, when we don't have yeah. concerts and all this and and film festivals and all expos, all that, all the good funds and bells and whistles that make that are awesome, but you don't have to, you know? So, um, yeah, that's, that's really, I'm glad you kind of said that is like, there's something for everyone. <clears throat> if you want there a 50 is. person, small town event that basically the people around there have been the only people to hear about it. You, you got that. If you want Peter Sagan at your race, we've got that now too. <laughs> so, <laughs> Uh, we, you can, you can, you can that go, might have you been the one like kind of fangirl moment for me weirdly I was gonna ask, and I think it was like, only because everybody else was super stoked about it and he was like he was in my he, he was in my real estate office beforehand because they needed him secured and I was like what why do we, why did why does he need to be secure and like and we had cops standing outside the door for him and but what? then like all of these people were like up against the glass and i was like oh, oh my i guess i'm supposed to be pretty stoked that that guy's here and you know they That's left their so water weird. bottles inside and he used my bathroom and people were like did he use your bathroom i'm like uh, yeah, what? I'm sure he did. Like they're gonna go like weird. swab it and like sell it on the internet. <laughs> oh. Trying to grab the toilet seat. It's just weird. But um, <clears throat> I'm uncomfortable. Anyway, uh, but it was. It, it's just really weird. <laughs> so, did you get great. to talk to him then? Um, I was introduced to him, but yeah, you know, I'm like yeah. I think You're he was as equally unimpressed with who I was as I was as who he is. <laughs> like whatever, I'm like whatever. <laughs> that's cool though, and that, like that's <clears throat> kind of been what's good about the quote like gravel stars is like we're all like whatever, like like yeah. most athletes 
I'll say most don't have a giant ego around them um, where it's just like, yeah, like I remember very vividly actually when I went to my first unbound uh, and I did like a group ride and like all these people that I thought were so cool at the, like at the time, it's like now I call them, I'm very fortunate to call them friends, but even on that group ride, it's like I went up to Amanda Panda who won the year before and Allison <coughs> Ketrick who won that year Mm -hmm. Um, and even like Bobby Thompson, who was doing gravel guru, like I thought he was the coolest guy ever. And you know, that's just a local Emporia guy and you and Jim and, uh, Leland. It's like all these people. And it's like, to you guys, it's like, we're just people riding bikes. Like that's all we're doing, you know? And that's one thing that's been really special about gravel is it's, it is hopefully for a while still approachable to be just like go up to say to Peter Stetna and be like, Hey, I really, I'm a fan of you, you know? And he'll be like, thanks. Instead of needing police standing right. outside of an office for people. Who well, again, I think that like, comes down to the community, right? Like, like we don't treat each other like that either. Like that was yep. people that were there to see Peter. So right. yep. I don't know. I mean, it was, it was weird. It wasn't like the usual suspects with their noses up against the glass. It was, like it was a different crowd. Are, it was mm-hmm. a different crowd. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of, um, remember, like kind of transitioning, uh, the hall of fame, one of the big mm-hmm. things I remember of in, in the inductions of last year is like, none of you would talk about yourself. None of you, none of you would talk about yourself. And that, mm-hmm. and that ultimately to me is the spirit of gravel. It's about other people. Um, so yeah, let's transition a little bit. Talk about the hall of fame. Sure. You were, um, one of the very first inductees to the Gravel Cycling Hall of Fame. You and Rebecca Rush were the, the two sole women that were inducted mm-hmm. into the Hall of Fame of seven. Um, and so it's it's really special um, on my end to get to be on the board of that and be a part of it. But what is for you and your legacy to be remembered forever in the Gravel Cycling Hall of Fame? What does that mean to you? You got to talk about yourself um, a little bit here. Yeah, that's not <laughs> like immediately. I'm like, that's not comfortable. Um, I just wait here let's loosen it up a little bit what say something like what is the class that you're involved with the each of the individuals like what do they mean to you because you've had a very fortunate opportunity to be friends with almost all of them Mm -hmm. well that's it like I'm friends with all of them (laughs) so you know I think we've all kind of had a vision of this but our own visions and our own way of approaching it um, but they've all, they've all meant using the bike to bring community together. Like that's literally everybody that's in that first class has used the bike as, <clears throat> as a motivator to, to bring humanity together. And I think it's, I think it's a really cool, a really cool thing. And I'm, you know, I'm guessing that at least for the next few years, that's going to be kind of who's in that hall of fame is a lot of people that, that are pretty passionate about that very aspect of the community side of it. And it's not a word that I think any of us take lightly. Um, you know, I learned a whole lot around the 200 women, 200 miles campaign, um, that really taught me, um, about, uh, where other people's perspective was and that, um, and that a lot of people need to need to feel invited and welcomed, um, even in the space that you think 
that that's what it is, um, to extend the invitation to, to open up the opportunity to make sure people feel welcome. Um, and, you know, taking that and translating it from just women to, to people of, of everything, you know, um, has been the lessons I've learned. And I guess from the Hall of Fame perspective, I do think it's important to kind of, it's interesting to like recognize the history um, and, you know, not to go too far down the rabbit hole, but as I look at the Hall of Fame and, and I'm hoping that the Hall of Fame doesn't just, doesn't just look at the history on a linear timeline, meaning um, they, I saw somebody post the very first start line roster of Unbound, of DK, in 2006. And which is really a cool piece of history to see, right? It's very cool. I think Guitar Ted posted um, that. Mm hmm. Um, but what struck me about that piece of paper was the exclusivity and the lack of diversity. And, um, and I thought, we have come so far in this space in just those years, which is remarkable. And what I don't want to see the Hall of Fame do is that same trajectory. Like, gravel is about inclusivity. And so we can't, like, the Hall of Fame can't just be about the people that were at the beginning. It has to also be about the diversity that we celebrate. And maybe that seems a little quote-unquote early in some aspects, like if you're celebrating somebody that maybe is, is newer, quote-unquote newer to the space, but that is what gravel is. And we can fast forward that history, so to speak, and make it about the fact that gravel has led in this equity and inclusivity space where other sports have not. And I hope, like I hope the Hall of Fame doesn't make the mistake of just being a linear history. So, I mean, that's, you know, we'll see where it goes. Cause I, I you know, I always hear that, like somebody hasn't been doing this long enough or this person just came in or whatever and I'm like, because they weren't included at the beginning. Go back and look. Like, you can see it on the very first start line of DK Unbound. They weren't there. And it's not because they weren't, they, you know, they were obviously welcome to come and to do it. Nobody was telling them that they couldn't. But the fact that we took the initiative, and I, you know, I'm hoping that you can look back in history and see the 200 women, 200 miles is one of the beginning movements of that. But the truth is, is like, we have, we, we've been leading in this space and I want, I just hope we make sure we celebrate that and don't wait to celebrate it because it wasn't at the beginning that we did that. Does that make sense? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, this past okay. year at Gravel Worlds, we did the thousand women of Gravel Worlds and it was mm -hmm. incredible, but there have been so many movements before that, that inspired this movement, um, including obviously your 200 women riding 200 miles. Can you tell us your why behind that? Um, because I, I wanted my friends to, to take the challenge. Um, you know, I, I was doing training rides and they were always with all men and I'm like, where are the women, you know? And it was in, and we were out there. We just didn't, we just weren't collectively together. And so there was the piece of of gathering that community together, like recognizing, oh, I'm over here. Yeah, we're here. And then there was also just the piece of it from giving, um, 
giving space and letting women know like, Hey, sign up to do this. Like take time for yourself, train, do this, like make your partner accountable and help you like raising awareness on all of those levels. And then Erin Ayala, who it's funny cause I'm just getting a text from her here. She's coming back to unbound this year with her team. Um, she did a whole study on it that like when I read the study, I realized just really the impact of that invitation. Um, cause a lot of it was very, uh, like self-serving at the beginning. Like I was just trying to point out that women do do this kind of stuff. And, um, when we signed up for that campaign, we launched that campaign, the guys on the team thought it was going to take us three years to reach that goal. And it took us 30 minutes. And yeah. that to me was like, wow. Okay. So we're here. Like we just, it just there was, needs to be a space for it and they'll come. <clears throat> yeah. There needs to be an invitation. The space was the, I mean, honestly, in my opinion, the space was there. There just needed to be an invitation of like, Hey, you know, come join us. Let's do it. So you, you said invitation a lot. We actually had this question. We asked Betsy Waltz this as well. I was at a, I did a, um, I was at a keynote, uh, for one of our friends who opened up a climbing gym here in Lincoln. She's an Asian American mm-hmm. woman, uh, who opened up a climbing gym. So obviously a lot of hurdles that she had to overcome and her keynote was fascinating her whole story, but she had a co- quote in there from Verna Myers that said, diversity is being invited to the party. Inclusion is being asked to dance. <clears throat> Mm-hmm. So like, what is, what does that look like? Obviously the invite is important, but then you have to go a step farther and being like, you're here, yeah. not only, yeah, we took, we quote, took your money. Thank you for that. You're invited. But like, how did you go above that and be like, no, like you're a part of this. We want you to be dancing in the gravel family, not just, well, yeah, you showed we've, up, we'll see you later. Pushed, yeah. I mean, I think we've pushed hard <clears throat> on industry as well, like to make sure that they, they are. Um, making sure that their staff and their people that come to our events are diverse. Um, And then I think really one of the things I'm proud of, like Lifetime has allowed me when we're working with um, these different initiatives is, is that dancing, in my opinion, is the empowerment. So our work with Major Taylor, I'm just there to like support and like, give space and and make sure the invitation's there and then help them because when when we decide at some point and i think we're already seeing it the bike industry starts that the diversity the dei initiatives aren't the hot button topics and the money starts trailing away these groups have to be empowered and they have to they have to be able to advocate for themselves as well um, and understanding how they do that and knowing how they do that. And I think, you know, Denisha Snell with um, Major Taylor Kansas City and, and Mitchell Williams, they, like they've really grown into the space and our partnership with them has been incredibly valuable. And I see them now like at, you know, I'm just the person that they, you know, they call like, who do we talk to at Gravel Worlds? Who do we talk to at the, at, you know, and like just, just helping them. And so I think that dancing part is just the, the completely, knowing that they're welcome and then also just empowering them to be their own advocates as well in the space where they feel comfortable. You mentioned the industry a little bit. What are some brands that you see doing really well um, with what you just talked about? Um, That's interesting. I need to look specifically. I mean, I see a lot. I I mean, Shammy Butter, I think Kara Matthews does a great job in this space. Like she's obviously a huge advocate. Um, I think goo does a really great job. Um, you know, I, I don't, God, it's like that question. 
I don't know enough about what people are doing on the inside to be able to fully, you know, answer that. Um, because I think, you know, we, we have at Lifetime in particular, we don't toot our own horn on all of the work that we do because we don't, we just believe in the action of it. And so a lot of times, like, I don't know if you can actually see what the brands are doing. Um, that's to me, that's the most important part is the action part of it and not like what you see on social media. So, um, and that's what I think a lot of us see is what's on social media and I don't get to see the behind the scenes on some of this stuff. Very cool. In addition to, you know, people and companies in the industry that are, you know, making waves and diversity and inclusion and gravel, are there any athletes or women in general that you see that are making waves in gravel? Um, all of them. <laughs> no, Great I mean, answer. like, I, I, I love that the Grand Prix has done some really cool stuff to elevate some different women. You see, you saw um, Amanda Nauman's, I think maybe, maybe you saw it, when she talked about how the growth of the social platform for the women in the Grand Prix grew greater than the men's. Um, oh, which really? That's I the didn't stuff see that. that, yeah, that's the stuff that I love to hear and see um, because I think. You know, Allie's done an amazing job. Um, I mean, she's just an easy one to point out. She's done an amazing job taking herself from a um, podium athlete, which she's still capable of, so I don't want that to come off wrong, um, to being just an advocate for getting more women on bikes. Um, and I love that. But you can also look at, um, I think I'm really excited. I'm always grateful that, Velo News put Betsy in the space that she's in because she's um, not only an amazing athlete, but also an amazing writer and has done a great job um, covering the sport, not just women, but the sport. Um, and then you can look at, um, you know, Haley Smith, who won the Grand Prix last year. It's been really fun to watch her shine and, and, and grow into that spotlight. And then, you know, I just, there's just so many women just doing the work on their, on the, the regional or local levels that, that you could just sing their praises. I mean, it's just, it's nuts. Like I think about Karen Pritchard up here, up in Kansas city, who's always been working with women and advocating for them. And there's, um, oh, good grief. There's, um, Sarah Moxley and gentle, like Denisha that we talked about earlier. Like there's just, there's so many women that are doing that have embraced this concept of inviting women to group rides. And like, I think, I think we do that better than the men do. Um, and that's, that's how we're going to just continue to grow, um, the space for women. I think it's beautiful because it's really important to see other, you know, I'm inspired by other women who are mm -hmm. making waves and inviting other women into this community. And it makes me want to be better. And I feel like it's just a bunch of women in this community that are just making each other better. And it's so beautiful. Well, I hope you have felt welcome as a promoter, like in that space. Oh, I, I definitely have. Okay. You know, I look up to you. I look up to, I just, everyone in this promoter community is so welcoming and they don't treat me as like oh you're the you're the quote-unquote newbie in this oh like, I'm gonna totally tell you you're a newbie but oh, then yeah. <laughs> oh yeah but it's not like I feel like a baby you know like I feel like I am still with you guys and feel welcomed cool <laughs> even though I know my place as as the newbie yeah. 
Well, and like, I mean, go change your diaper, in, Sophia. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> well, and like, speaking of in like inviting women to just go for rides, like we we were finally starting up a pirate cycling league, like Thursday night ride. Yeah. Um, again, we did it like five years ago and kind of lost track, but we're starting that again. But then Sophia, you jumped in and you're like, well, I want to do a women's Wednesday. And mm-hmm. like, it's like, I don't care if one person shows up, like, I, or it's just me. I want to do it. So like, you're doing exactly what she said. <laughs> like, well, I hope you, you, I hope you realize yeah. that. So, um, yeah, it's, it's been very encouraging to see and like gravel worlds last year where, you know, we were 40% women or close to 40%. It was like right away. It was like, oh man, there's a lot of women here. <clears throat> but then I was like, oh yeah, this is like if you're going to the farmer's market, this is what it looks like. This is like average humanity or getting close. Like this is what it should look like. This shouldn't feel like different in any way. So, um, I'm really excited to, for, to see what other race promoters do, um, and use 200 and a thousand as, as their like goals to completely break down. You know, it's, it's really exciting to see the future and diversity and, and outside of women too. Um, with non-binary mm-hmm. categories and uh, diversity of color and all these things that are good for the sport because that's who we are as humans. And the gravel started out as bringing people together. So let's just mm-hmm. bring all people together. And one thing that Corey always talks about is he's like, gravel's the ultimate breaker of barriers. Like when you're out and you're struggling at hour 14, and it's 100 degrees outside, like, you don't care who they voted for in the last election. You're in that. Right. You're in that together. Um, so that's that's what's really... And you're you're having conversations with people you would have never had conversations with. And that's... Yep. That, that's gravel. That's, like, yep. again... Well, like, that's how you truly joke. move the needle in, in society, too. Like, Abby talks about... Abby Robbins um, talks about camp, their camp experience last year and they, they're coming back this year to our, our camp as a, as a coach and guide. And they had conversations on the bike with people that do not believe in what Abby stands for. Um, but at the end of the day, like those conversations change people's minds, Yep. you right. know, and I think that's it's so important, super impactful. It's important to have those hard conversations where, yeah, you're probably going to feel a little bit uncomfortable, but you'll probably walk Mm -hmm. away thinking hard about it. And yeah, Yeah. maybe your mind's not changed, but at least it's been opened a little bit. Sometimes it's not even having a conversation about that thing. It's like you spend the whole day with this person, whoever Mm -hmm. it is, and then you like follow them on Facebook and you're like, oh, I like probably would have never talked to them. And it's like, wait, they're they're not this person big boogie boogeyman that mm-hmm. that i thought they were yeah um, humanizes people yep. Sure. yep well before we go you you did um mention the lifetime grand prix a couple times what is oh, that sure. it's kind of new last year <laughs> um it's bigger this year um it, i'm sure most people have heard of it but what is it where where's it going this year uh um, we've got changes? um seven events we had we announced the wild card Ooh. event um a while ago so these athletes can, we have a, a field of 35 men and 35 women competing for a prize purse that's equal, obviously. Um, and they race these different lifetime events, mountain bike and gravel, um, for points. And then at the end of the series, whoever has the most points wins. And we place down through the top 10. So um, it's been really fun. 
um, to meet these athletes, to meet, um, to watch, well, like to watch what it does for, for these athletes. Um, and the goal really was to raise, um, well, two things. One was to, um, raise awareness around American cycling and really make it a fan-based sport. Um, because, you know, like we see the, the classics in Europe and we wanted something that was based here in the United States. Um, and then the second thing was really that, that passion for the equity and the women's piece. So, um, that's kind of what we started with. And it's been, um, I would say a big success if you haven't watched call of a lifetime on Grand Prix on YouTube, sorry, call of a lifetime on YouTube. Uh, you can watch the six part docuseries from last year. Um, so this year we have sea otter unbound, um, crusher in the tusher, Leadville, um, Schwamigan, The Rad, and Big Sugar are the seven for this year. And last year it was oh, the those rad. same so the rad was seven added. minus... The Rad was, was added. Um, nice. Very cool. Which is... The Rad course is amazing. It is I've, so I've heard it's beautiful really hard. of riding <laughs> I've down heard there it's really hard. It's, 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 it sounds rad. Uh, I don't think it's really hard. It does sound rad. Um <laughs> There's, Doesn't it have a huge? I don't like, know. I didn't huge think, climbs in it, or am I thinking? Yeah, of something else? but they're not super steep. Like, okay, I don't know. I'm, I, the you climb a lot out of the gate at the rad. Like you kind of have this flat section, and then you you head up for like thirteen or fourteen miles. Oof. But okay. if this Kansas girl can do it, um, most yeah. people can <laughs> anyone do else it. can do it. Too. So, yeah. <laughs> so it's, um, but it's really, really, really beautiful. Um, so it's it's definitely a, a course worth checking out, period. Um, so, yeah. What I appreciate about the Lifetime Grand Prix is that it's strengthening these riders. Um, I'll use Lauren DC as an example. She suffered yeah. a TBI a few you know years back, and she was always really scared of mountain biking. And so she mm-hmm. didn't apply for the Lifetime Grand Prix the first year. And this year she's like, I'm going to do it. And now she's this amazing mountain biker who's going to be lining up at every single race conquering her fears and she's been working her butt off this off season on mountain biking <laughs> which is something that she probably wouldn't have done without the lifetime grand prix same with hannah shell yeah uh, hannah shell yeah. garmin athlete she's another one like we had her on the podcast and she was saying um like her aha moment of like she was like i'll just struggle through the mountain bike side of it and um and somebody went up to her and was like well you know like those skills translate to gravel too and she's like, and mm-hmm. it was like, think about every corner, you have to slow down an extra five miles per hour. Mm-hmm. And you have to use that extra 200 watts to boost up to get back to where the speed that you were at. Like, think if you only drop down two miles an hour and every corner you have better yeah. bike handling. Or this year with the mud at Unbound, you know, like those are huge, huge, like, like LDC couldn't catch up because she did she wasn't good on really loose stuff so that's uh yeah yeah it's really cool like seeing it's like forcing people outside of their comfort zone too and you like get to watch that in real time so yeah and i love exactly. the, the individuality of each racer because you'll go to any of these events that they're at and they're signing their little sports cards and they're meeting fans and these little kids are coming up to them and they're like treating them like celebrities which is amazing for these kids who now get to look up to these pillars in the community. Yep. We need uh, to have a, 
the old, the old, and the old, like Corey Godfrey has his trading card from way back in the day. He should bring it and we should reinstitute some of those. That'd be fun. He always like, <laughs> he like always like blushed. Cause again, he's like never talks about himself ever. And so right. then you go to uh, go to unbound week and he's got, you guys do all the previous winners on the lamp posts and there's yeah. him there. And he's like, that's just, I don't, I don't get it. I don't, it's so weird. I'm like, you want a huge race, dude. Like, be proud of it. So, um, let's, let's circle back to that hall of fame conversation yeah, yeah, of exactly. all the inductees being super humble. Yeah, exactly. Um, but also a call of a lifetime documentary, the gravel family podcast is on there. It is. Yeah. yeah you guys so, are. You're in the big sugar episode. We're in the big yeah. sugar episode. So yeah, come on, uh, come and watch that just for i think it's right at the beginning too so you don't have to so it was basically about mm-hmm. us and then they had to fill in like six you know. episodes we had to fill episodes. in some episodes like six others <laughs> yeah it was it was a huge burden on their part but we appreciate the, <laughs> the episodes about us <laughs> um all right so let's wrap this up we're right about an hour which is perfect um so before we go Sophia will have one last question but I wanted to say thank you so much for your friendship Christy and for for everything you you've stood for in in gravel and um, you know keeping us accountable at the Hall of Fame and throughout the industry too so thank you for everything you do but Sophia Um, always has getting blood I'm blushing (laughs) (laughs) so what does the gravel family mean to you Christy you guys (laughs) I mean it's just it's just it's just it's just it. Like, it's just the community. That's what the Gravel family is. I don't, yeah, defining it doesn't work for me. It's just, just come on to the party. You're welcome. Oh, love it. It is what it we is. We want you here. Yep. I love so. it. Well, thank you so much, Christy. <laughs> we appreciate you. We will see you at Unbound. We're hope yes. we'll be at the Lauf booth at the expo. So yeah. we'll be recording. Nice. So we'll see you. Oh, and perfect. we'll obviously see you at the Hall of Fame too on perfect. Wednesday. So. And, and maybe I'll be at Mid-South. We'll see. So. All right. We'll see Fingers you. All right. We'll see you down there. Okay. All right, see you, Chrissy. All right. I'm Sophia. I'm Jason. And I'm Christy. And this has been another episode of the Gravel Family Podcast. We will see you next time. Gravel Family Podcast is a Pirate Cycling League production. Gravel Worlds and Pirate Cycling League are owned and operated by Gravel Adventures LLC, Lincoln, Nebraska. For more information on Gravel Family Podcast, visit www.gravelfamily.bike. For information on Gravel Worlds or Pirate Cycling League, go to www.gravel-worlds.com. 